HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. The James Beard Foundation is a nonprofit with the mission to celebrate, nurture, and honor chefs and other leaders making America's food culture more delicious, diverse, and sustainable for everyone. And right now, it's working to respond to the dire situation the food and beverage community is in due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Restaurants, bars, and other independent food and beverage operations are often on the front lines of community revival. The majority of culinary community businesses have less than 500 employees, but collectively, this industry generates $1 trillion a year, 60 of which is pumped back into their local business communities. To help bring swift economic relief to these essential businesses, the James Beard Foundation launched a fund to provide micro-grants to independent food and beverage businesses in need. You can donate today at jamesbeard.org relief. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it is Wednesday, March 25th, 2020. This is the 245th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talent in the hospitality industry. Now, last week, I said things were subject to change, and they are. So today, I'm bringing back my guest from episode 134, who is the CEO of the first full-service culinary marketing agency, and I will introduce him fully in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip. Later, we will have my speed round game industry news discussion where we we will be discussing COVID-19 and our current state of the industry, my solo dining delivery experience, that's the first, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is for a call to action. With the outbreak of COVID-19, the coronavirus, we're facing a health and economic crisis. Our restaurants and bars are closed. And while some restaurants are trying to survive on delivery and takeout, it's impossible to know how long this pandemic will last and how it's ultimately going to affect us and our beloved hospitality industry. Local and independent restaurants are the pillar of our communities. With 13 million employees nationwide and 1 trillion contributed to our economy, we can't afford to let our small businesses fail. I have joined the Independent Restaurant Coalition to have a united voice in front of our congressional leadership and help save restaurants. And you can too, by going to saverestaurants.co. Our industry needs you, and it needs me, and we need it. So take action. That's my tip today. Now, I am happy to have my guest here on the show with me. It is Lonnie Sweet. He is the CEO of The Connect Group, the first full-service culinary marketing agency that specializes in reaching food-connected audiences through strategic food and beverage initiatives. 
with 10 plus years in sports marketing, representing the best athletes, coaches, and broadcasters in the business. Lonnie's path changed with the Connect Group when he met Chef Mark Forgione following his next Iron Chef victory. And the rest is history. So welcome to the show, Lonnie. Thank you so much. How are you? Well, you know, I'm 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 here. <laughs> How are yeah. you? I feel like I, I always, you know, people are asking me that question and I I just kind of say, well, I'm I'm doing. Right. I'm I think doing. I think that's yeah. I think that's what we can uh I think on a daily basis right now um say we're doing. And I think in our industry, probably more so than any other one, um the rapid change, the rapid change of course, uh the things that are happening on a daily basis, um, not just here in New York, which I think you know, we all need to recognize that New York and some of these other bigger markets are different than other places in the country. But, uh, man, whew, things have changed in three weeks. They've, yeah, they've changed so much and they're changing constantly every day. And it's, it's a really tough time. Um, I feel, you know, I'm glad I can do this show and have you on and we can, we can talk about what's happening in the industry. And, um, as I as I mentioned briefly at the beginning, um, you were my guest on episode 134, which was in March 2017, and uh, we had a little outage situation um, that happened, and we the the whole recording didn't didn't record. So um, it's great to have you back, and it's I I, I really I want to dive in first to your background and how you got into first sports marketing, and then switched over to the culinary or combined it, I guess you could say. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and to be honest with you, Sherry, right? Like I, I, we can dig into that as much as, as much as we want. I think we're in a, uh, a different time now, right? I think that the, the business that, that we've built over the last, you know, I've had my company now for close to 12 years is super important, but I think the conversation about what's going on in our industry is really important too. Um, I don't want to be self-serving here because um, I think that there's a, a much larger conversation about how do we get our rest, how do we get our restaurants back up and going? What do we need to do as a community? What do we need to do as a world um, to support kind of everything that's happening on and and um, and uh, what that looks like in the future? But re- real quickly, right? So, like you said, I, I came from sports marketing. You know, I spent probably the first decade of my career working at a couple of really big agencies uh, representing athletes, coaches, and broadcasters, uh, primarily all on the off the field stuff. So all their endorsements, their appearances, their speaking engagements, kind of anything that was not related to their on the field contract. Um, When I started my own agency about 12 years ago, I really wanted to get away from talent. Uh, But then I met Mark Forgione just as he was about to win next Iron Chef um, and and kind of pivoted my whole business to to culinary almost 10 years ago now. So um, fast forward now, I represent, you know, 15 or 16 um, chefs and culinary personalities, everybody from Forgione, who is still with me, uh, Michelle Bernstein in Miami, Nina Compton in New Orleans, Luda Lefebvre in L.A., uh, Tiffany Fayez on in Boston. Um, I've got a great chef named Eduardo Garcia in Bozeman, Montana, um, and a handful of other people, Octar Nawab, uh, Mary Giuliani, who's a caterer. Um, Melissa Benishai, who's the founder and CEO of Baked by Melissa. Um, she was Brian on my Kazza. show um, a couple of weeks ago. She's awesome, isn't she? Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, we and we had her cupcakes at, at the host uh, summit and social that I did. So, which which are addictively awesome. I'm glad I have none in my house right now because <laughs> I don't know for some reason they disappear really quickly at my house. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. So, um, um, yeah, I've got a great roster of chefs. You know, my responsibilities for them is both uh, as their agent and business manager is to find them all these corporate opportunities, right? Be those, you know, full-blown endorsements or private dinners, uh, PR events, meaning, you know, again, partnering with a brand to go generate media awareness for that brand. Um, you know, since, you know, we spoke, you know, or three years ago, I've gotten a lot more aggressive in helping them model their their businesses, right? And trying to find them new restaurant opportunities, be that through hotel deals or lease deals, but kind of playing more of an active role in the business side of helping them expand um, their restaurant empire, which has been really interesting. And um, obviously today's day and age, um, meaning the past three weeks, much more challenging, uh, but kind of more of a, 
a full service offering for those guys and helping them not only out of the kitchen, but um, in the kitchen um, outside of actually running the restaurant, which is absolutely not my, uh, not my ballyhoo. Right. No, your, your list is, I mean, your who you represent, it's such a strong, great, great list of talent. And I was since, yeah, since we talked, I was, I mean, it seems you've also grown into some other divisions and I don't know how, how big is your company now? Are you? Yeah, it's still, you know, it's uh, it's pretty small. Um, You know, I partnered with another group out West um, named Evolution. Uh, It's a kid that I worked with literally 20 years ago. Um, When I, when I went culinary, he actually went like DIY design decor. So he's got probably 40 or 50 personalities in that kind of HGTV space. Um, and then collectively, we actually represent a tattoo artist whose name is Ami James uh, and his company called Tattoo Do, uh, which is an online booking and content platform for the, the tattoo world. So they're pretty massive. I and mean, they've got between Ami and his company, they've got about 25 million social followers. Uh, they've got about 11 million downloads of their app. Um, they've got a really thriving business. Um, and so we're representing them from... Uh, a brand marketing perspective. So going and looking for brand partners to go create content, to go create partnerships, um, leveraging kind of that unique audience that they're talking to. Great. So yeah. with with your with your clients your, that you've been working with, and you've been working with for a long time, obviously, and have yep. very deep, great relationships. So what what's happening now? Like, what are, what are the conversations? How are, how are people doing? Yeah. I think everybody's handling this a little different, to be honest. I think everybody is, not that they're in shock, right? But there there is something about this happening so quickly that kind of forces you to pause almost in your brain. I think it's a really emotional time for all of them. Um, And I don't think it's, it's not about um, the money, to be honest with you, which I, which I think is an issue. I think it's more about their families that they had to um, put on unemployment, right? Which is really hard. You know, you've got, you know, I, I keep telling people like if, if you work at a big company, you know, and there's layoffs, it, it sucks, right? But the vast majority of those people don't have the intimate relationships that chefs have with their staffs, right? If you're working at a big company and you're working on a floor that's got 500 people and you're in cubicles or you're sitting in your offices, you have relationships. But the relationships that you have either that you come together twice a week in meetings, um, sometimes you're hanging out with each other afterwards. But in a restaurant environment, if you're a cook in a kitchen, if you've got 12 people in that kitchen, you're spending 12, 14 hours with them, phones down in the thick of it, right? You, you've got real deep relationships with these people. And so the fact that, you know, our, our chefs um, had to shut down their restaurants and, and let go of their family, it's really emotional, right? I mean, these are people that have been with them for a really long time, that have been on the front lines with them, that have, you know, it's that blood, sweat, and tears thing. And so that's hard to stomach. Um, and I'll tell you what I'm, what I'm really proud about all of our guys is that that was their first visceral reaction is, what, what can I do and how can I help put money into my employees' hands because they're hurting right now, right? And so that, that's been kind of this fight or flight mentality that they're getting into is like, all right, what can I be doing to help my people um, and help the greater community while keeping us all safe, um, which has been, it's been, um, I don't know, I give them a lot of credit. It's, it's been difficult. Yeah, no, I, I I hear you, and it's just seeing everyone's posts online from chefs and restaurateurs. It's they're all. I mean, there's it's in their own voice what they're saying, but they're basically all saying the same thing about how it was like the hardest decision they've had to make to close or to let their employees go, and like the worst, you know, the worst thing they've ever had to deal with in their career. Um, and I've also seen that, I mean, a lot of the restaurants now have started these restaurant relief funds and, you know, trying to trying to bring in money for their employees and look out for them. Yeah, which is great. And, and listen, I think Forgione and, and Tiffany's done it. And um, there's a lot of people that are that have started these GoFundMe pages or, or different fundraisers. And listen, I think they're just trying to help, right? And I think that it's just the idea that, 
you know, they're, people got to put food on their tables, all right? And they've, they've got to keep a roof over their head and um, some have kids and some are just them, but they're, they're all still struggling right now, right? And so, you know, the idea that you go from a full-time job at, you know, thankfully the very busy restaurants, so that just stopping in a day without any kind of, um, you know, any kind of warning is really shocking, right? It's, it's shocking. And it's not like, you know, it's not just a few people. It's millions of restaurant workers just kind of got laid off. And that's a scary thought process, not just for them, right? But the whole trickle up and trickle down of that, right? Trickling up to your landlords is trickling up to the bank. That's trickling up to, you know, wherever they're getting their money from. And obviously the trickle down you know, their local communities, to their fishermen, to the farmers, to the linen companies, to everybody else that supports a restaurant, they're, they're all struggling now too because of it. And so I think that the restaurant industry really is this engine that's going to keep our economy going. And so, you know, you mentioned the, you know, the Independent Restaurant Coalition, really, really important what they're doing, really, really important that they're fighting at the government level. Uh, you know, we'll see, obviously, this, this new stimulus package got passed last night. We'll see how it's actually implemented, but it's critically important um, that it's that that all the restaurants that need funding are actively doing everything they can to get the most out of that stimulus package. Because um, if they don't open back up, there's going to be some real long-lasting um, impacts on this economy for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, and for people to 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 uh, I'll note to go to the New York Times and there's an opinion article entitled will we have an america without restaurants and this was written by our our friends and colleagues and chefs we know andrew carmelini tom calicchio danny meyer missy robbins marcus samuelson and adam saper and um you know it's just laying out what's what's happening in the industry and and how how we need support it was nice and i was i was glad to see that that this you know this morning i i did see that um an email on how the senate has reached a deal that could include relief for local restaurants and and but they're asking now still that people go online and and tweet about it instagram about it and and also to call your representatives yeah it's, very important. You, you, know, you know, it's funny, Sherry. I think there's some there's some layers to this, right? I think that um, depending on how long this goes, right? I think you've got this immediate kind of reaction that we need to help our employees, right? We need to help them now. We need to help them, you know, keep some food on their plate. This stimulus package hopefully is increasing the amount of uh, unemployment benefits. I'm really concerned about what happens when we're out of this and these restaurants are trying to reopen. Because I think the conversation that's not having outside the walls of all these chefs is that it's really expensive to reopen a restaurant. And so if you're an independent restaurant or you're a mom and pop restaurant and you did the right thing and tried to pay your employees as long as you can, well, you've drained your bank account. And if you go to reopen, unless there's a stimulus package that's going to directly put money in your pocket, that doesn't mean a loan. Because all you're doing with a loan is actually putting yourself further in debt. How to get back open and give those people back their jobs for a long term is really hard, right? You've got to buy produce. You've got to buy meat. You've got to, you have to buy all the ingredients for food. You have to restack. You have, you've got to do all these things that cost a lot of money. And so that's what I'm, I'm concerned about that is that we, you know, again, rightly so need to pay attention to this immediate short term, but the long term for making sure that these restaurants are getting open um, in reemploying people because there's going to be a drag in terms of how how busy they are because people are scared, right? We're human beings, right? We're watching stuff on TV every day about you know people dying and we could talk about Floyd Cardoza today too, who unfortunately passed away. You know people are uh, scared, right? And so, sorry, I'm I still can't believe that. Um, I know I'm in shock. It's horrible. Yeah, and so but getting people back to these restaurants is a whole nother layer to this. If you were doing you know, you know, 150 covers, you know, when this, when everything happened, you're not just going to jump to 150 covers, right? You're going to slowly grind, get back to that. And so that drag and that time is a really scary time because you can get back open and, and it's probably pretty easy to go back out of business relatively quickly if they're not funded the right way. And, and I hope the government, you know, whether it's through this stimulus package or the next one is thinking about that component. Um, Cause if they're not, I mean, again, 50, 60% of these restaurants will not reopen. 
Yeah, no, it's scary. And it's, it's, it's such an uncertain time that doesn't even do it justice. And then, I mean, you mentioned before with, you know, everyone else who's affected as well. And I was, you know, I started to think about my podcast here and I'm like, every single person that's been on this show is affected. And because, uh, I mean, I mean, it's beyond New York. It's beyond, it's it's the world is having a huge problem right now, you know, but I just start to think about, it's like every single person that we are connected with is, is a part of this. And, and it's, it's, it's scary. It is. I agree. Now listen, at the end of the day, right. We, we all have to I think there's really only two reactions that you can have to this, right. You can either, you know, get into the fetal position, right. And not do anything, or you can get into the fighting position and do something about it. And so when you get from one to the other, I think is the trick, right? Like I'll tell you last week I was not borderline in the fetal position, but frozen. Right. And I woke up, you know, last Tuesday, Wednesday morning was like, all right, well, what are the options? And listen, my business is affected by this too. I'm a small business owner, right? If my chefs aren't doing well, or they're not um, opening their restaurants, like I can't go do live events or we can't do, you know, we can't do appearances. Right. So we've got to rethink our model too, but it's, it is that fight or fight, fight or flight mentality that I think all of us need to get into, right? We have to, right? Because the other option is in that fetal position and not necessarily taking control of your own future. And so finding that balance of, of being able to kind of not wallow in it, but just kind of um, take it all in before kind of getting to this point of like, all right, we, there's things that we can't change in this world, right? Um, this pandemic is one of them and we can all do our, you know, our social responsibilities and stay at home, but like, we can't change what's happened. Like, and th- th- we got to fight for it. And that, I actually love that about this, you know, the independent restaurant coalition is it feels like that's what a whole group of people started to do. Right. They, they, they kind of sat back for a minute and they were like, well, wait a second, we got to fight for this. Right. And we've got to go down to Washington and we got to make sure our voice is heard. We've got to make sure that we're fighting for the things that we know we need in order to get back up and going. And so it's scary times. But we're going to get through this, right? Like we're all going to get through this. Um, we've just got to do everything that we can to make sure that we are um, not being greedy, right? Um, that we're helping one another, uh, that we're looking you know, towards the future and working our asses off to get there. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I'm in the same boat too as a small business. And, you know, on a, I mean, on a, a little positive note, um, you know, with pitching or with, representing restaurants that's become tricky there's either you know but i think publicists and and people who support restaurants were were figuring out you know how to and also what the restaurants are doing and uh, a sushi restaurant i work with uh, sushi ishikawa which was omakase only uh switched up to delivery and takeout and is doing really well because people love their sushi and it's that's it's I just you know I just checked in with them today and it's it's working so you know I but they had to make that adjustment they had to you know say okay what are we what are we going to do and they're doing it yep listen I'm doing the same thing I'm, I'm reaching out to people and, and trying to play this balance of you know selling uh, quote-unquote selling and talking to brands in, in an uncertain time but I'm doing the same thing and saying, listen, you know, just because we're trying to transact business did not mean that we don't have to help you people at the same time. Like I keep saying, they do not have to be mutually exclusive of one another. So like I'm going out to all of our brand partners and all the people that have been trying to get business with for years and saying, hey, listen, now is the time not to pull back. Now is the time to get aggressive, right? Now is the time that they need your help. Like let's think about ways that we can do cooking at home. Right. We're living in this social media age. Everybody's got a camera on their on their phone. That's probably as good as most things that are out there. Like, let's rethink what we're doing. Let's entertain people. Right. Let's give them some value as they're sitting at home. They're looking at their phones. And so it does it does change. You just got to change your perspective and your thought process. Yeah, no, that's the right attitude for sure. Um, So before we take a break, let me ask you about your podcast, because that's also yeah. something you started doing um, since we last spoke. I did. Has, so yeah, it's it, Food Connected Podcast. Yeah, um, it's an interesting podcast. So I, I I have all these really great conversations with, with friends and people that I do work with. And, um, you know, we're always trying to find ways to kind of put our, our, put our company out there. And I, I really just wanted to 
almost have people listening to my conversations, right? And so I'm, I'm kind of a big uh, proponent of, of people understanding what the culinary marketing industry is. You know, people know what sports marketing is and people know what entertainment marketing is. But when you tell people culinary marketing, they, they kind of they kind of gloss over a little bit. And so the whole idea was really just to get people an opportunity to listen in about how brands are thinking or how agencies are thinking or how concessionaires are thinking or teams or leagues about culinary as a whole um, as an activation platform, um, as a way to you know spend their marketing dollars. Um, and really just to kind of have people listen in to what that conversation looks like and the way that brands and agencies and, and those that are actually spending money are making decisions. Yeah. So who, who have been some of your past guests? Man, I've had, let's see, starting with like the folks over at Intersport, which is Peter Flesvig. Um, I think he was my first one. I've had somebody from the New York Jets. We've had people from Delaware North. Um, a lot of, you know, again, I'm trying to get the range of um, – of real estate, of brands, of agencies, from the sports side, how they're talking about um, food. Um, you know, until I went to the Palm Beach Food and Wine Festival, I actually had not interviewed any chefs, um, just because it wasn't necessarily the, the angle that I wanted to take. Uh, but we went down there and we did, you know, a whole bunch of chefs. Um, I kind of screwed up the audio, so they don't, they don't sound very good uh, on the podcast. But uh, it's a, a hodgepodge of people that uh, folks that, that I've done work with over the years and. Um, some folks that I have not, but just all kind of geared at talking about, you know, what being food connected from the brand and marketing perspective uh, actually means. Yeah, no, I think it's great. And I think I saw you, you did, you interviewed um, Akhtar too the other yeah. day, right? That was a different one, right? So Akhtar has been a, a client for a couple of years. And I think that was more like, hey, we're in this moment right now. Um, kind of just wanted people, if they were listening or chefs to like understand what's going through somebody like Akhtar's brain right now, right? He had, he had just laid off, I don't know, 70 employees the day before. Uh, just kind of, I, I want to just, he's a really smart, intelligent, and thoughtful guy. Uh, I just want people to understand kind of what he's going through um, and what that thought process is like. Um, so, yeah, we, we you know, we, we did a quick little podcast, and uh, we'll have a few more of these coming out, um, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, and, um, just trying to tell the story of our industry right now, right? The same way that we're doing right now, Sherry, right? I think it's very important for people to, um, not just in our industry, which which I think is important, but outside of our industry, um, understand mm -hmm. what's going on, right? Because there's a lot of humanity to this. Yeah, no, I agree. And I'm I'm grateful I can do this show and, and talk to people like you. And, and yeah, we need to talk about it. We need to see how we can help each other and get through this and we will get through it. Um, yep. So Agreed. On, on that note, let's take a little break and we'll come back and we will play my speed round game to lighten things up a little bit. And then we're going to go back to talking about some more industry news. So this is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. Ben's Friends is the food and beverage industry support group offering hope, fellowship, and a path forward to professionals who struggle with substance abuse and addiction. Ben's Friends exists to provide a safe haven and an anonymous, judgment-free forum for workers in an industry that has one of the highest rates of substance abuse in the country. Their mission hasn't changed during quarantine. Ben's Friends chapters across the country are now offering online meetings. You can find a chapter near you at bensfriendshope.org. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Lonnie Sweet. He's the CEO of the Connect Group. And actually, I also have in my notes here, I think it's on your Twitter profile, that you're the only human to rep an Iron Chef, Top Chef winner, NFL MVP, MVP and Heisman Trophy winner. I That's believe so. Cool. I would I would challenge somebody else there that has done that. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm not going to challenge you. <laughs> yeah, I, re I represented Eric Crouch uh, when he won the Heisman Trophy at Nebraska. Uh, I represented Sean Alexander uh, when he won the NFL MVP for the Seahawks. Uh, I represented Matt Light, who was an NFL. 
uh, Super Bowl champion, three-time champion. Uh, Nick Elmy, uh, who I worked with for a little while, who won Top Chef. And then obviously Mark, uh, who had won Iron Chef. Yeah. I guess it's going to be my claim to fame, Sherry. There you have it. It's a good one. It's it's yeah. impressive. You could keep that up there on your profile <laughs> <laughs> until someone challenges you. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm not sure who else could do it. I mean, again, I I've tried to think about this. There's a few people like Andrew Chasing. You know, he worked in the sports industry like I did for a while, but I, I don't think he repped anybody there. There's a couple other people that have kind of dabbled in both, um, but there's not a lot of Heisman Trophy winners, and there's not a lot of NFL MVPs. So. Um, I think I, I've got that cornered right now. Well, good for you. Yeah. So um, let's let's play my speed round game. I know I, I know you're familiar with this, but maybe your answers might might have changed. Who knows? And I might have a few new ones for you. Sweet. <laughs> Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. Eat in or eat out. Eat out. Wine, beer, cocktail, mocktail, or champagne? Cocktail. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Small plates or large plates? Both. Do I have to choose one? Can I do both? You. There's no rules. My game okay. has zero rules. It's just it's just a game. Both. I, I like <laughs> so both, and I like okay. both at the same time. All right. This this question I might have to be start changing in the future because it's um, communal table or chef's counter. Communal and table. I think it's going to be hard. Social distancing right now might make that more challenging, but I hope communal I table hope can live on. Yep, I agree. I hope not. Yeah, I think we'll get back to a normal. It might be a new normal, but we'll get back to a normal. Okay. Um, tipping or all-inclusive charge? Tipping. Lift your spirit challenge or chopped challenge? Lift your spirit challenge. And and while we're at it, I mean, can I plug this? That everybody yes, should be going go for to, it. That everybody should be going to liftyourspirits.org. Uh, and the whole idea of this is that you are making a drink or lifting a drink and... Um, toasting to the people uh, that um, you may want to just share a drink with um, and going back to lifterspirits.org, tipping what you normally would tip at the bar and all that money is going back to uh, the NRA Employment Relief Fund, which I think is great. And they're giving up to $500 per people that are um, affected by this, employees that have lost their jobs um, to as many employees as we possibly can. So again, the idea is that um, you make a social video, almost like the, the ice bucket challenge. Um, you go on there, challenge other people to do videos, and then go back to the website to uh, make a quote-unquote tip uh, that goes back to this relief fund. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. It sounds, it's, it's great that you're doing that. Yeah. And um, Okay. A few more. Yep. Being a podcast guest or being the host? I like being a guest a lot more. Really? Okay, yeah. cool. I don't think it's easy what you do. You know what I mean? I, I think it's... Uh, what you do. Well, what you do, I think, is, is uh, first of all, you do it much better than I do. So um, I'm just, I'm kind of just doing it to, to have some fun with it. Um, it's not easy. It's uh, not much strength, Well, thank you for saying fun. that. I've listened to, I've listened to a couple of your shows. I think you're great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's good. And we've actually, we've overlapped some, some guests as well. So, um it's it's cool to hear their story from a, like a little different perspective. Yeah. Okay, the last two are cheese plate or dessert. Dessert. And Manhattan or Brooklyn. I told you when I came out to see you, I'm I'm not built for Brooklyn, so I'm gonna have to say <laughs> Manhattan. I would actually say New Jersey opposed to both of those. Actually, is that where you are now? I li I live in New Jersey, so I'm in New Jersey. Yeah. I would say Massachusetts above all of them, but I, you know, I've been in Jersey now for 20 years, so uh, it's my new home. Well, great. Well, that's the game, and I love you it. win. I mean, everyone wins. I don't know what you win, but <laughs> we win being on the podcast. Exactly, winning just being here. Yeah. So, so industry news. I mean, there's. I mean, I have well. 
I don't know, we mentioned earlier, and I have to bring it up again, that Floyd Cardoz passed away today, and he was affected by uh, COVID-19. And I had seen a post of his that he was in the hospital about a a week ago. And I don't know, I I mean, he's, he's such a kind, wonderful man and chef and so beloved. And he was 59 years old and I'm, I'm heartbroken. I, I just can't, it really, I mean, it hits home in so many ways, but it's like someone that we all know has passed away. It's shocking. Yeah, I agree. And, and I didn't know, I didn't know chef. I think I probably met him a couple times, but I, I did not have a relationship with him at all, but um, regardless, right. He's part of this family. Um and listen, I think he, he leaves behind a couple of young kids and obviously his wife, and that's uh, about as tragic as you can get. Um, but this is real. I mean, I think you're starting to see, you know, pe- people are putting faces to um, those that are impacted by COVID. And, and I really hope that everybody starts to take this thing a lot more serious in terms of the way that they are, you know, social distancing, just being careful, right, in general. Like, this is not a joke. Um, and, I, and I'll say, listen, three weeks ago, I, I two and a half weeks ago, I hopped on a plane and went to L.A. And, and, you know, I was the guy saying, hey, it's just the flu. It's not that much different than the flu. And then, I don't know, something changed. And, and I'm I'm scared of it. Right. You're seeing kids getting sick. You're seeing teenagers passing away. You know, you see you know guys that like Floyd that I think were, were generally healthy. Um, some scary, scary stuff. Yeah. It, it really is. And the message of staying home is is so important. And um, it's yeah, we, we have to we have to do our part so we can we can make all of us healthy again and the world yeah. healthy. Um, but yeah, I knew I knew Floyd. I didn't know him. I mean, I, I never worked with him, but I just knew him through going to lots of events and always seeing him and dining at his restaurants. And I, I looked back on um, my episode 170. I, I talked about my solo dining experience at the Bombay Bread Bar, which was his last restaurant he had in Soho. And he's just a good person. And it's just, yep. I just, yeah, I feel so, I feel horrible for people, his his whole family, just everyone. It's um it's tragic. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, it really is heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, I, I I guess the with other news or things happening with this, I mean, one thing that I think is we didn't, you know, we could touch on how some businesses are alternate alternating or, or altering what they're doing to to um uh to do delivery for consumers and such as um, Balder specialty foods in the Bronx. And yep. I think the chef's garden is now starting to do that. Um, so we're seeing, we're seeing that happen. We're also seeing places like uh, Mike prices, the clam in the West village. He's, he's uh, partnered with a seafood company and he's doing a community fish market and offering, you know, cha- just changing their format so they could they can make it and they could also feed people, which is which is so important because <laughs> yeah. that's the tricky part, I think, with especially living well, living anywhere, but living in New York City is like you know getting food at home and not wanting to go out um, and where you can get it locally. Yep. Yeah, I think the delivery the delivery option is a tricky one. I think it really is. Um, a personal preference and depending on your business and, and um, you know, a whole bunch of other factors. I think there's a lot of chefs that take the feeling that they don't necessarily want their employees to be at risk. Right. And that's not just inside the restaurant, but how they get there. Um, if they got to take the subway, they got to take an Uber, unless they're walking distance, they've got to get to the restaurant somehow. Um, so I think it's the idea of putting your staff in harm and whether or not that's worth it on, unto itself. And then, you know, listen, the money side of this, right? I, I think it's, again, I, I'm not familiar with the, with the other groups that you said, but it's challenging to make money on the delivery side, right? It's just, it just is. And so I think everybody, each individual restaurateur and, and restaurants got to kind of make that decision for themselves. And, and listen, hopefully some of them stay open because uh, people do need to eat, right? And, and not everybody wants to cook every meal uh, for themselves at home or have access to getting, you know, uh, you know, groceries that easily. 
Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, people, as we, we, we spoke about are, you know, taking action and changing their models and trying, trying to, you know, do what's best for their businesses and also just us as a society. Um, and I don't know if you saw in the New York Times, there was also uh, an opinion piece by Jose Andres, and it was entitled, We Have a Food Crisis Unfolding Out of Sight. And, you know, Jose is such a hero, and yep. he's been feeding people in disasters. <laughs> like, I don't know how he does it, but um, he has a whole um, he has a whole plan about, you know, how to mobilize restaurant workers now. Um, it's I think it's a good it's a good read for everyone. Yeah, I agree. He's amazing. Listen, I think the, the truth is um, chefs specifically, cooks, uh, restaurateurs, they, they got in this business because they want to feed people, right? That's what they do, right? And so, yeah. you know, whenever they can, especially Jose, I mean, he, he's so amazing. Um, he just wants to, to help people through food, which I think inherently most chefs and most restaurateurs, that's what they want to do. I think just striking the balance of being safe and being able to, um, help through food is is a challenging one that that I'm sure. Listen, if anybody can figure out, it's going to be him. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, he's I no words for Jose. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I, I'm curious about what happens when we all get back here. I, I'm curious. I'm curious what happens and what the restaurant industry looks like um, when we all get back to our new normal, right? Like it's been such. Let's just take New York City. It's such a thriving. Um, destination for food, right? You can get anything you want and take LA too. You can get any cuisine you want in any type of environment that you want, um, you know, whether that be communal dining or it be tasting menu. Like, what does our industry look like um, when we all get back to work? I don't know the answer. That scares the hell out of me, right? Because it's one of the greatest things. Like, we all, I always talk about food as that, that unifier, Right. Like when you want to have a really have a relationship with someone, when you really want to put your phone down, when you really want to connect human to human, you do it over food. Right. Yeah. And if there's a social distancing in place or people are scared to come out and eat um, or they're scared to be in an environment where there is a hundred other people, like, is that going to change the way that restaurants are, are built? Right. I, that's scary yeah. to me. Well, I said on a show recently that restaurants are my happy place and they really right. are. I mean, I'm a, I eat out all the time and I love restaurants. I, I just, I, they're, it's, I'm, I don't know. I, I mean, we'll have to see what's going to happen and stay strong. Like when will you be comfortable going again? Let, let's just say for, for argument's sake in a month from now, right? COVID is uh, COVID or two months from now, COVID is kind of decreased Right. It's not, you know, we're going to, we're like China. We're not getting any new cases and restaurants start opening up. Are you going to be hesitant to go out to eat? I don't, I mean, I, I think it's, it's hard to answer that, but no, I think, I think I'm probably going to be one of the first or, or right. just as someone who loves and supports restaurants so much. I think right. it might depend on what restaurant and whose restaurants and, and, you know, um, but I, I'm not. I'm. I'm planning to go back out. Yeah, and me you? too. Yeah, no, me, me, a hundred percent. Right. I, I am nervous about other people, though. I, I'm nervous yeah. about even if you've got a, even if you've got like a slight hesitancy, and let's just say that slight hesitancy makes you um, stops you from going out one of the four times that you may have gone out in a week. Well, that's that's twenty five percent. That's a lot, right? And so if you compound that over people, like that, that's my fear is that what what restaurants would have done, whatever, they're a $10 million restaurant, all of a sudden they're only doing six. That's a huge problem, right? And, and how are new restaurants being designed? And I don't know, I'm going to be very curious and, and only time will tell about how, um, what the future of the industry looks like. True. Only time will tell. I hope it goes back to normal, Sherry. I really do. Me too. Me too. So let's take one more break and we'll come back and I'm going to do my solo dining delivery experience and we'll have the final question. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Mm-hmm. 
During this time, it's more important than ever to support our friends and neighbors in the restaurant industry. Restaurant Workers Community Foundation has set up a national COVID-19 crisis relief fund. The money they raise will provide direct relief to individual restaurant workers, support other nonprofits serving restaurant workers in crisis, and offer zero-interest loans for restaurants to get back up and running. Visit restaurantworkerscf.org to donate today. And if you need a little extra motivation, you can DM your $20 donation to RWCF's co-founder, John DeBerry, on Twitter, and he'll give you directions for making a signature quarantine cocktail. Donate now at restaurantworkerscf.org. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience, which is a delivery this week, and it's at or from La Palapa Taco Bar. Here's the rundown. The location, 611th Avenue, Gotham West Market, Hell's Kitchen, New York City. The concept, Mexico City-style tacos, quesadillas, and more. The chef and owner, Barbara Sibley, who's my guest on episode 37. So why did I order in? Because I'm staying in due to the COVID-19 virus, and I wanted to support restaurants as best as I could during this difficult time. So my experience, I used Seamless app to order, and yes, it was seamless. Um, My food arrived about 40 minutes later. And what did I get? Well, I overordered. I had enchiladas pollo verdes, quesadilla combo with pork al, stro- por- pork al pastor and shrimp camarones, and that came with chips and guacamole and salsa, and I also got some sweet plantains. So my take, it was delicious, and I could have used a large guacamole. It was so good. I ate that pretty quickly. Um, the quesadillas were really flavorful. The enchiladas was stuffed with a tasty chicken tinga, which was great, and the plantain served as my dessert. So uh, the ambiance, the comfort of my home, perfect for authentic Mexican food enthusiasts. Interesting tidbit, this is La Palapa's newest branch at Gotham West Market. The original location is on St. Mark's in the East Village, and there's another taco bar at Urban Space's Vanderbilt Market. Personal fun fact, so Barbara Sibley, who's a friend, and she's just an awesome human being, she was the vice president of the New York Women's Culinary Alliance when I was the president um, in 2009 for two years. And then afterwards, she became the president for the following two years. Um, So we know each other pretty well. And as I said, she's awesome. So I was happy to be able to support her. And she was also, she supported me and us when we had um, host back in January. She was one of our partners. So the cost of my delivery meal was $37, not including tax and gratuity. Would I go back? Yes, I'd order in, I'd take out, and I would go and and eat in when we can again. Their website is lapalapa.com. So there you have it. Um, And also note to people, if you are ordering in, tip well. (laughs) People, you know, the people who are still working and me and I feel for them. You know, it's, it's, that's hard. So, okay, um, Lonnie, my, my next guest is going to be Bruce Bronster, who's also a a repeat guest. He was on episode 95. Um, He's a partner at Bronster LLP which is a New York-based boutique law firm with experience in real estate, litigation, tax lien, hospitality, and more. Um, I'm looking forward to talking with him also about what's happening in the industry from an attorney's perspective. Um, So, Lonnie, what would you like to ask Bruce? So I'd love three tips from him about how chefs can look at um, their leases when they get back into this, right? Are they... Um, are they renegotiating? Are they asking for abatements? Are they asking for uh, better terms? Uh, I'm just curious about his take on uh, the chef's relationships with their landlords once we all get back to work. That's great. I will certainly ask him. 
And I'm also planning next week, I may have a, a representative from the Independent Restaurant Coalition on the show as well, um, talking to them to see who, who might be available. So we'll see. But Bruce is definitely going to be on, and I'm looking forward to talking to him. So that's the show. Um, thank you, Lonnie. I, I really appreciate your time and and having this conversation with me. And I, I wish you and your team and your clients and everyone the best. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you having me back on. You, you too. I mean, I think that the, we are, I keep telling everybody, we are all in this together. Every uh, Everybody has got to be part um, of the solution. So I uh, wish you the best and everybody out there listening, you know, just uh, keep at it, right? Um, you know, head down, knees pumping, you know, look for solutions and, and keep fighting on. We're all going to get through this. Yeah, I agree. We are all in this together and thank you. So I will I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Sherry. My guest today has been Lonnie Sweet. He's the CEO of the Connect Group, the first full-service culinary marketing agency that specializes in reaching food-connected audiences through strategic food and beverage initiatives. Their website is theconnectgrp.com. And on social media, you can follow Lonnie at Sweet5151 and at Eat Drink MT, MKTG. I did that last time, I think, too. <laughs> you got it. They get that right? Eat Drink MKTG, like short for marketing. MKTG. There you go. Um, you can follow me at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry, and my websites are BayerPublicRelations.com, SherryBayer.com, and AllInTheIndustry.com. All of our shows are archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. So next week, um, I'll be back with another show. I hope you'll tune in then. Thanks so much to my engineer today, Amanda, and thanks again to Lonnie. I'm Sherry Bayer. Everyone be safe, be well, and thank you for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. All in the Industry is powered by Simplecast. I'm Sherry Bayer, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, HRN is celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org.